0: Hello, heroes. Welcome to Modifier. I'm your host, Megan Dornbrock. So, I have good news and bad news. The bad news is that this is not the Mass Effect Edge of the Empire show that I promised at the end of our last episode. A few of you have already let me know how much you're looking forward to that episode, and A, that's really awesome. Thank you so much for sharing with me. I really love to hear that you're excited for this goofy thing that I'm doing. And B, I am also excited for that show. It does exist. It's recorded. It was really fun, and I just cannot wait to share my sweet friends with you. I hope you'll agree that they are worth the wait. And now, the good news, or what feels like it should just be THE NEWS with capital letters and a big underline. If you're following game blogs or Games People, you may have seen a flurry of tweets and headlines that read something like WOTC D&D 5 E O G L S R D N D M G, which you either understood immediately or figured that their cat had walked across their keyboard. So to translate... On January 12th, Wizards of the Coast announced an open gaming license for the fifth edition of Dungeons & Dragons, which is kind of huge. In this episode, I managed to steal a few minutes with Roll20's Nolan and Suzanne, who helped me parse what this news is, what it means for Roll20, what it means for homebrewers, and what it means for you. I feel like we're just scratching the surface, and that's partly because this is still unfolding. As of this episode's airing, the news is two weeks old, the interview itself is, is almost a week old, and the OGL and the DMs Guild and everything that we're about to talk about is still very much new and evolving and changing with feedback as folks begin to experiment with this new system. So don't feel like you've missed the boat or anything on this stuff. We're still sorting it all out, and we all have questions. It's a really exciting thing to experience together as a community. So I hope this show helps get you started. Cool. Well, thank you both for being on on this podcast with me. <laughs> Why don't we introduce who we've got with us? Nolan?
1: So I'm Nolan T. Jones. I'm uh, one of the co-founders of Roll20.net.
2: Very cool. And we've got Suzanne. Yes, I am Suzanne Wallace. I am a brand manager at Roll20.
0: Awesome. It's... Talking to or about Roll Twenty is something I'd been planning to do since the inception of this show, so I'm super excited that we get to do it this early. It's it's a good excuse. We've got some cool news to talk about, but I would like to talk a little bit about just Roll Twenty first, if you don't mind. So, go for it. I'm going to ask you the real easy questions first. What's Roll Twenty?
1: <laughs> uh, who, who, who wants to take it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maybe it's not that easy. <laughs> It is, it is, actually. I mean, Roll20 yeah. is essentially a uh, browser-based platform and a way to play games online. Um, we are primarily a tabletop sandbox um, in a, the sense that we can c- recreate the tabletop similar to your kitchen table in a virtual environment, um, but it's, not a, it's a system-agnostic uh, setup. So the idea is that we want players to play whatever they want to play, uh, it certainly works for Dungeons & Dragons, uh, to story games, to even uh, a game like Settlers of Catan. So it's basically mm. a safe and easy way to play games online with your friends or with new people.
0: Very cool. I, I actually didn't know about the Settlers of Catan. Is expanding into more board games um, something you're looking at doing, or is Catan sort of a... It,
1: it's something we'd like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's a question of, like... So, Settlers of Catan was something that early on we utilized uh, because if, if you think about that board game, one, the hex mapping is mm-hmm. something that was that was going to push us, and two, all of the card trading, stealing, and that sort of thing uh, was was a really excellent opportunity. You know, I mean, how many decks are there in that game between your mm-hmm. wool, sheep, um, lumber, brick, all all the things that you have going on there? Uh, it was a great system to test out. Um, do we have the things that you need to be able to play around a table? Um, but that's one of those things like that's a personal use setup. Like we don't have the the license for that. So that's the sort of thing that you're, you're having to set up on your own. And I know a lot of people have set that up or set up things like Munchkin. Um, mm-hmm. We have some people who go so far as doing things like Warhammer via oh us. Um, but th- that's one of those like, if we if we had more licenses, um, there's a lot that we would love to do in board games because because board games it since it's less theater of the mind, uh, it, I think it's harder to to go and you know make your own like with with Dungeons and Dragons you just kind of need the rules and then you can make up your own world and you can use whatever images there are. Uh, if it's Monopoly, you want a Monopoly board, darn it. Right. So I don't know. Uh, board okay. games is definitely something that we talk about a lot, but at the same time too, a lot of uh, board games seem when I talk with them licensing wise, they seem so much more interested in having their own uh, application. Uh, but but yeah. I, I try to well I try to explain though. And Monopoly is my my constant example. Uh, I don't know two households that play Monopoly the same way. Everybody's got mm-hmm. their own house rules on how the bank works and stuff like that. So it at, at the end of the day, it is better to just I don't know uh, like you would at a physical table. Uh, let people do what they're going to do with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens as time goes on.
0: Okay, cool. Very good to know. And that actually kind of brings me to something else I wanted to talk about. You mentioned home rules and things like that. With Roll20 being system agnostic, um, I, I've looked through it a little bit myself. You know, I have an account and uh, mm-hmm. haven't, haven't played any games yet, but looking to. Um, there's all these character sheets to choose from, different systems you can play in. What what kind of opportunities do you have for people who want to play in a system, but maybe want to modify it a little? They want to—they want to have their house rules. They want to bring in their own sort of versions of things, or maybe hack two systems together. Well, I mean, it,
1: one of the first things to to understand is like as we came up with the platform, um, we had only the three of us who started it—myself, Riley Dutton, and Richard Zayas—we had really only played fourth edition D and D, mm-hmm. and so we start this Kickstarter and we have all these backers who are like hey i need you know the card system initiative from savage worlds hey i need fudge dice to play fate hey i need and as as we get all these requests we realize that it was a lot smarter for us to mimic a table instead of try to be a fourth edition dungeons and dragons simulator and so we we really get out of the way uh, as much as humanly possible to allow folks um, to, to play what they want to play. Now there are as you said character sheets that are available that are specific to rule sets but it, there's nothing stopping it, at uh, at our subscriber levels. you can create your own custom rule sheets and load in whatever you want there but it there's nothing stopping you from just using our uh, our attribute setup so not actually a character sheet but like a a character spot I guess is the is the best mm-hmm. way to put it where you can just, you know, put numbers in however you want to and test what you want to, even if you aren't a subscriber.
0: Cool. Do you see a lot of that happening?
1: Oh, sure. I mean, it. it, it it's one of those, I think on the most recent industry report, um, mm-hmm. other games was still a top five uh, contender for what people are filling out. So that, that means like ga- games that we don't even have, uh, it, our, our cutoff numbers, we try to have about 100 uh games active in the time frame that we're that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. And so to have v- so large a percentage of our population just being like, yeah, none of none of these that have even a hundred games is what we're playing, uh, I think really speaks to the diversity of what is out there on Roll Twenty right now.
0: Awesome. I saw that report and I was wondering what falls under other games. It's, well, it's such a curious blanket.
1: Well, and it's one of those things like it, it's just folks unwillingness uh, or <laughs> I guess pride in, in the fact that, well, I don't fit in any of your boxes. So, <laughs> uh-huh. But uh, it, a lot of what we've done there in terms of like there, there's there's two reasons that we can't just form fill. Uh, and have every single game represented. One of them, it would be just the general confusion in terms of like, think of how many ways you could say 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons in terms of searching. Mm-hmm. Uh, it becomes a bonkers expanding problem. Uh, <laughs> but the other thing is uh, all of that system is hooked up into our looking for group. And so we've we've been really careful about we want there to be a certain number of games uh, before we have it in the dropdown. Because what will happen is if you think of yourself as a consumer, uh, if I go to a website and I look and see if my favorite game is being played there and I search it and there's nobody there, I assume that nobody is playing that game uh, and and I will never look again. So <laughs> the idea of like waiting until the population is big enough to support uh, has been really, really beneficial. Uh, things like uh, we we saw a huge rise in uh, Stars Without Numbers because that's been uh, played on role play and, and Adam Coble, uh loves and has pushed that system. And that was a game that went from there was nobody playing it on Roll20 to it's now a, a top 25. Like, where did this come from? <laughs> Why are all these people playing this game? Uh, sort of thing. And it's it's been really nice to be able to support that with the growth in a way that you know, now people can go look, find a game and jump in.
0: Awesome. So so the the community that you have there on Roll20, you're seeing a lot of... Um, it you know that sort of mindset's being fostered there.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it's one of those. It, I'm constantly surprised at the ways that people hack the the system and do things that we had never intended to have happen. <laughs> uh, I, I think one of the weirdest things uh, that that I came across is uh, have you ever heard of Mordheim? No. Um, it's it's a subset rule of Warhammer play where it's like. It's like three on three mini fights, mm, okay. Uh, and and what had happened is apparently the folks on the traditional gaming board of 4chan had come together and they they had one roll twenty game that they were using as a lobby to set up these fights. Um, so so there was a constantly persistent game mm. where like you rolled to see, okay, me and Jill are going to go and we're going to fight. Uh, and, and play our Mortheim game and then report back and they had set up like this entire ecosystem of of gaming that you know, it was nothing that we had ever fathomed <laughs> the, the program being used for
2: <laughs> yeah. and that sort
1: of stuff is, is constantly happening uh so it's been it's been a really wild ride in that sort of expansion way
0: that's that's incredible. I think it would be so interesting to to be able to look and see like what what are they doing? What <laughs> is All right, I, I guess I guess that's a thing we do now.
1: Honestly, um, is one of the one of the like we don't. There's no time to to look on the individual level of what's happening,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: um, the idea of like wanting to have some connection to the the day to day. We have a like a running scoreboard of the names of new campaigns that people put in the system. Oh. Uh, like 10%, 10% are test, but then like crazy things like, uh, Bill and Ted go fight the dragon, uh, yeah. and, and so on and so forth. <laughs> it's just so wild to see, like, so here's, here's the bizarre adventures that are starting up on roll 20 today.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, so for, for these people that are doing, you know, crazy adventures or homebrewing or or whatever variation on an existing game they, they're trying to play, do you see Roll20 giving them any kind of advantage that maybe playing in person doesn't?
2: Well, there's certainly a wider array of uh, people that you can get invested into your game in the sense that you can, if you don't have a set group of friends that you want to play with, but you have a cool, fun idea for a new campaign, you have the internet to pull from and mm-hmm. uh, the great, uh, very wide community on Roll20. Uh, you can create a listing on Roll20s looking for group listings, and you can say, all right, we're yeah, we're going to play this game. We're going to play a fifth edition where you know, we're all zombies and... We're gonna go into this dungeon crawl and try to find more zombie friends, or you know, whatever it is that we want to I do. too,
1: like you, you have the expansion, uh, like, like you're like you're hinting towards the idea that, um, like regionally, you may not be able to find the group to play the zombie game, but when you, when you open the pool up, there's that. Um, I, digitally, I too, I, I think that there's two other advantages uh, that come to mind. One being stuff like dynamic lighting. So so we have a non-programming Set up that you can, uh, like, mimic a uh, torchlight or low light elves and all those sorts of things, uh, which is really really convenient. Mm. But then, so, like,
0: on on the, the the maps that they're all sharing, right, is that what you're okay? Right.
1: So you can you can essentially set up vision in a way that you know you you can't do that live. You know, it, it's it's okay. So you don't see this token over here uh, mm-hmm. when you're playing at a table, but you can actually set it up so you can have some um, some surprises. And I, I think that that's, that's a definite advantage in terms of the the digital tool set. And then the other one is, is uh, what I call the kitchen table conundrum that, you know, you have a game that runs long and you're in the middle of an encounter and you want to take a break. But that means you've got to pick up all mm. your maps and minis and everything and get it off the kitchen table and then bring it back out in two weeks and hope you get everything in the right place. <laughs> and, you know, it, having, a, having it on a computer takes away all of that uh, nonsense. I mean, there's there's things that we'll never be able to beat or replicate about being in the same room. Uh, pizza being the primary one. Uh, <laughs> uh, there is a lot of benefit, even to. I mean, I I use Roll Twenty. Uh, we have a an iPad and Android application for tablets that's player focused, so it's all the things that you would hold as a player. Your hmm. your dice rolling, your character sheet, and that sort of stuff. And I'll use that in an in-person game for any system where the stats, you know, if if I would have to do any real math of adding a modifier or uh, things like that, I love having, you know, right there for me. There's games, have you played uh, 13th 13th Age at all? Not yet. Okay, so so 13th Age, I think, is a great example. And that's somebody we actually have a a license with and we've been working on a character sheet with. And I think that game, honest to goodness, plays a little bit better with Roll20 because its main mechanic involves something called an escalation die. And it, it, Mm. it, the idea is that it takes out the problem of the battle that won't end by every round of combat. Uh, they increase the damage and the, uh, the likelihood to hit with the escalation die. So it goes, you know, plus one first round, plus two second round up to six. So at the end people are hitting all the time and it's Mm -hmm. bloodier. Um, and when it, that's the sort of thing at a table you're sitting there and you're constantly reminding, hey, it's the fourth round. Be certain to add the four. Did you add the four? Um, but by, <laughs> if you if you have it tied into the system automatically to add that – so the GM just switches the modifier to the fourth round and everybody is rolling from their sheet. Man, oh, man, is that convenient to have everybody just automatically brought to the same page like that.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I can, I can see that being helpful even for um... – you know, games that that people feel might be less complicated, but just yeah. for new players,
1: sure. You it's, know it's that they're great... not
0: used to to doing checking all the places. I know I still forget to to loop things in all the time.
1: I, the first the first thing I did live wise with Roll Twenty is before we had even done the uh, the application. But like, I was bringing a laptop to play uh, my fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons game because I was playing a rogue that had like. Flanking and sneak attack and dagger proficiency bonus. And by the the time I got done figuring Mm -hmm. out all the things I needed to add, uh, it was just obnoxious and it it became faster to, oh, right, I'll check three boxes and hit the roll button. Aha.
0: I like it. Well, there was some big news (laughs) last week that everyone just can't stop talking about, including us. Um. So, yeah, I think it has been about a week. Uh, Wizards of yeah. the Coast, yeah, a long week. It sounds like yeah. it was. It was. It was a
1: little <laughs> bit unexpected in terms. Of, so, so this is Suzanne. Is this your yeah. third week on the yes. job?
0: Yep. Oh gosh!
1: And so Suzanne's been getting a a boot camp in terms of uh, mm-hmm. licensing in a yeah. way that like we had not. And it was like we. I thought we were going to be able to move into this slowly, and no. Yeah. <laughs> Here's, here's a 390 page document go
0: yeah super fun i i think i think it caught a lot of people off guard i think a lot of people kind of thought it wasn't going to happen even i
1: i think and this is one of those armchair quarterbacking things that i you know i don't know one way or the other but it's been so odd to watch wizards of the coast you know okay we're doing all the adventures uh with third-party licensing with green ronin and kobold press and that sort of thing and and then we're laying off half of our creation staff and then no we're bringing them back and then no like i it's it's odd to look at them and try to figure out exactly what the strategy is so it's one of those things yeah. i've okay. i've gotten to a point with them where where i i assume that i don't know is <laughs> is the best course of
2: action
0: yeah um and let me um just kind of lay out the news here.
2: Uh, sure, we little talk <laughs> around
0: it. Um, no, no. Uh, so, Wizards of the Coast announced there's their open gaming license for the fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons, with uh, a very, very long system reference document that that 400 page delight yeah. that is out there for us all to peruse, um, as as well as a new website slash marketplace, the Dungeon Masters Guild. Which is a lot to unpack. <laughs> yeah. So, so this isn't the first time they've had an open gaming license. This is the first time for something like the Dungeon Masters Guild. Yeah. So I guess, first of all, what does this mean for Roll20?
1: I think the, the biggest thing it means for us is... Uh... I guess internally uh it gives us the opportunity to to make our so right now the character sheets and things like that are all community submitted and so now we have the opportunity to do our own character sheet uh and in terms of uh without a license you know like the, this grants us license to do it uh and we also have a compendium that we've put together originally for Pathfinder that we're now able to add this this fifth edition content to but the the bigger change I think over time is going to be just what people are able to submit to the marketplace. Like now we're going to mm. be able to have um, modules, adventure modules that, and, and our adventure module system is one of those things that it's it's set up. It, it, I think the best way to describe it is like you're setting up the game for a game master it, it, as a publisher. You know, no, no matter how big or how small you are, it's getting in the roll twenty interface. And putting all the pieces in the right place with stats, so that somebody could just come in and go. And, right. and I think we're going to have a lot of really cool content uh, come as a result of this because you know, now that now that people have this key interface um, to interact with the fifth edition rules, it gives an opportunity for them to. I mean, and I think uh, Suzanne, what's the what is the stat for fifth edition games right now? It's thirty.
2: It's somewhere around thirty-one point five percent of yeah. all games of of D and D fifth edition is being played. Uh, it's thirty-one point three nine if you want to be super specific about it. <laughs> um, so we're, we're
0: sticklers well, for those decimal places. Well, yeah. uh, that's a,
1: and that's a that's a huge percentage. Like that's one mm-hmm. of those things to to have that sort of opportunity. Well, and I, I think just from a like a uh, let's let's be real. Like if you Google play Dungeons & Dragons online we're the first thing that comes up. And so anything that's that's a, uh, a greater proliferation of the rules uh, impacts our day-to-day life quite a bit. Um, it, so I, I'm excited to see once we start seeing some... I, I think a lot of our marketplace people right now, uh, we're, it's it's tax season and they're handling those things. But as soon as they get some of that sorted away... Uh, they'll be hopping in to to try to see what they can do with you know with this new opportunity
0: okay so you roll 20 has a marketplace mm-hmm. and this is where it gets i think a little murky for some people and i I'd, I'd like sure. to kind of delineate what's what's really happening here um so roll 20 has its marketplace which i've i've taken a uh brief look around and and you've got uh assets and tokens and things like that for people to use in their games as well as modules and adventures um, that of course can now be based on fifth edition rules because mm-hmm. of this license um, and then there's the dungeon masters guild from wizards yeah where they are allowing people to sell content that uses or, or adventures and things using the forgotten realms content specifically mm-hmm. So there's no overlap here.
1: No. So, so uh, the way I would split it to to somebody who is who is looking at this is, um, if you really want, uh, let me think of my forgotten realms, uh, Drizzt Duran or whatever, uh, being the non-player character giving out the quest, uh, that's nothing that you can do under the open gaming license. But that's something that you could do with this uh, DM's guild setup. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that they're it's a 50 50 split in terms of selling on their marketplace
0: that's Um, what i read
1: and and i I think that there are some advantages in terms of like you'll you'll definitely be in a hub um, for fifth edition content uh the advantage of publishing something with us is you know while you won't have that access to forgotten realms it Traditionally, the open gaming license has been, you know, an opportunity for you to build your own worlds and interface it with these rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you're doing that and you're you're selling with us, you know, one, you do have the easily the largest active player base of Dungeons and Dragons players available to you. I, I, I would say, you know, in, in a weekend we're a GenCon, um, so you've got <laughs> you've got a whole heck of a lot of people that you can get your content in front of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but additionally, we do a 70-30 split. On our sales, so you you'll be getting seventy percent of every sale, um, and, right. it, and and in a situation where you've got you know full ownership of your content as well.
0: Yeah, and and I believe um, Drive Through RPG has a very similar split to yours. Do you think the the fifty fifty from Wizards is is reasonable considering the the content that they have access to and the audience that they're I, putting it in front of? That's one of those things. It's tough.
1: I don't know. I. Even, it's tough for me to say this in mm-hmm. in terms of like I'm a guy that went and made my own company, <laughs> so, oh my so so my my thoughts on on how to how to split things are different uh, than others. Well, that, that's one of those things. Like even drive through, uh they're, they only do a seventy thirty split if you're exclusive to them, and and that's mm-hmm. nothing that we do. And a large part of that is uh, honestly my background in comics. I think is is one of the things that really influenced. Um, how open we are about the way we do things because I've seen so many comic creators uh, make something and get messed over by, you know, the, the uh Oh yeah. Slash I, nightmare. Well, yeah. And it, it, it the percentage, uh, there was one point where somebody was offering me a, a publishing opportunity and it was like, okay, so our brand name is going to take 30%. Comicsology is going to take 30%. And uh, if they buy it on iTunes, uh, they're going to take 30%. <laughs> no. like, Wait a second. I'm making this comic. Uh, so why am I only getting 10%? Um, so it, it, I, I don't know. I, I have a very different outlook, but it's, it's one of those things like the flip side to that is well, Comicsology is the biggest marketplace around. So I, I understand, uh, what the appeal is for that, um, for interfacing with a marketplace that is more branded towards what you're doing. But at the same time, like we're, I think we paid out $190,000 in 2015 to marketplace creators. And, you know, we don't have, I think we're closing in on 200 something creators. So that's a lot uh, in terms of what's going to the, to the folks who are putting things out there via us. And that those numbers are only going to grow. So my my, awesome. pitch, my pitch to those who want to do it alone, because it is a different thing. Like uh, the Dungeons Masters Guild is my understanding. Uh, they do have like artwork sets and things like that that you could use to put things together. Mm-hmm. And that takes, a, that takes a whole load off, particularly somebody who's, you know, doing their first time uh, writing an adventure to not have to worry about, okay, I have to get professional artwork together mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're like, I am starting a publishing enterprise, uh, I think we're a very, very attractive option for somebody.
0: Awesome. Do you think, in terms of the folks who have been homebrewing and playing around in this system, does it, does this whole, the news and the new, the new um, DMs guild, does this make it easier for them or harder for them or, or just a little more lucrative? Uh, well, I
1: think it's a little bit of both. I, I think the, um, When I joke about the 398 page document, um, there's an impetus to understand in a way that is increasingly, it it puts a lot on you in terms of knowing not only what uh, is in that document, but also in terms of what you create yourself, um, you're not supposed to be creating things that Wizards is also creating. Mm -hmm. And so you have to know what's, out there, you know, phrases for spells and things like that, that they're using in their other content that they didn't license so that you can create your own spells and so on and so forth. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it definitely, it it frees you up to make money. There's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, But it's one of those things that you, you're going to get a PhD in uh, the fifth edition rule set uh, when you're doing this.
2: Yeah, there was definitely an initial perception that the door had been completely thrown wide open. And while that, that doorway has certainly widened, there are definitely still some limitations naturally. And that's just important to keep in mind and make sure you know what you're doing. Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, that's that's one of the things I, I saw a misconception a lot was that all of it was available. All of it's free for us to use. And that's, that's not the case. I, that's...
1: I, I think one of the... The first things that came up on our forums was somebody who was like, "So I'm going to put all the, uh, I'm going to make a monster manual pack. Mm. And I'm going to put everything in there." And and the you know the, my first reaction to that is, okay, if you read the second paragraph of this new system <laughs> reference document, it says you can't use the word monster manual. So I'm concerned about what you're saying already uh, because you <laughs> like I need you to really read this and look at this uh, and understand that you know you can't you can't use that term. Uh, and so it, when, when the start of things is that suspect, uh, it makes me very concerned overall. But that's one of those things like there are people who, uh, you know, Paizo's Pathfinder exists because of an open gaming license.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so the opportunity is as, as big as becoming potentially the largest publisher in the realm. Uh, and, and I think that's a, that's something that can't be overstated. But, you know, at the same time, uh, most of us are not going to do that, <laughs> and so right. uh, understanding what you've what you've got in front of you is uh, is key to making this work for you.
0: Yeah, and uh, the that that very daunting document they do put all that legalese right at the front for yeah. you to read through. There's really, really not the, that much of it. but The legalese but it's is there. just
1: what two pages, I think. Uh huh. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I did. I did browse through the the AMA. Um, Mike Merles mm. and Chris Lindsay did on Friday, and I—it's I, practically in, in bright, flashing letters at the top. But uh, they're consult a lawyer, consult a—you know, like, yeah. get get some help on this. Um, but it's it's not too much of it. Most of that is just content. So you mentioned the Pathfinder
2: mm-hmm.
0: and how that came out of of the three point five OGL. Is is this OGL much different?
1: It's funny. It's speaking about Mike Merles, I saw him at one point say uh, that the like the spell list is the same as the 3.5 spell list. Like they hadn't opened yeah. up any additional spells and things like that. So it, I think that there's, I I, I feel like the, there's a very obvious connection in terms of they're updating the 3.5 license to some degree uh-huh. and. Uh, you know, interacting and interfacing with it will be similar. It's just a question of, you know, what things beyond um, will the outside community bring to it? Like that's, I, I think that'll end up being the main difference is seeing what uh, what the first systems are to really, you know, take take the elements that they have and run with them in a different direction and what catches on in that sort of place. Well, and even I think it's interesting too that the, their announcement the next week is they're going back and doing Ravenloft stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so it, it's one of those, you know, it, they've, they've opened the door for everybody else, but they are running in these other directions and you know, right. playing with that sort of gothic setup. Uh, I, I will be super interested, you know, it, my, my excitement is when are we going to see the first, you know, it's steampunk set up, uh, Eberron style campaign, and things like you know, where where are those other worlds going to pop up, and what are people going to do that is unique to them?
0: Yeah. Do you now that now that I'm thinking about it, and and Pathfinder coming out like it did, do you think that the the DM's Guild. I know their one of their selling points is you can get ratings from the community and we're going to keep an eye on who's doing excellent work and we're going to bring you into our fold and and write for us maybe. Do you think do you think part of that is is intentional to like keep all all the all the best stuff for themselves? <laughs> I mean it,
1: I don't know. It, yeah. <laughs> it, it's the, it's advantageous for them to be involved in it. Like there's mm-hmm. there's no doubt about that but at the same time i think that um anybody who gets far enough in the game that they are being uh eyeballed by wizards is is going to know you know their worth inside and outside that and you know it it's one of those there's there's a lot of people that have stayed on with wizards and then you have the the how many people you know the the creators of obviously monty cook has mm-hmm. gone now and carved out his own empire and uh Rob Henessey has gone out and carved out his own empire mm-hmm. I, I it's tough to say like it maybe it's it, there will be people that it's a good fit and there will be people that go this has nothing to do with me and both of those realms exist and coexist in a way that doesn't hurt uh, like the the end result is the fan gets more content to play So, you know, props to everybody, you know, just make certain that you're you're figuring out what is the comfortable fit for you.
0: Cool. As I was browsing through that AMA, um, there's a lot of good questions and a lot of good questions answered. But there was something that got brought up that wasn't really addressed. And I was wondering if you have any have any insight or, or thoughts on this. Somebody brought up that there are a lot of, of course, homebrewing communities that exist and have been flourishing for quite some time they do their own thing. They, they play with these systems. There's, um, you know, pass things around for free and, and help each other build these, these modules and these adventures. I think there is some concern about what's going to happen to these communities with stuff that they may be building, essentially disappearing behind a paywall to use their words. You know, do you see this as being detrimental to those kind of communities or?
1: I, I think there's, uh, there's always the ability to pass things freely back and forth. Uh, it, and between, you know, fair personal use <laughs> type <laughs> realm. Uh, but I, I think paywalls are a good thing. And, and this is something in terms of the Roll20 marketplace, uh, we really don't put much free content up because I, I think that overall, there's a problem right now society-wide of devaluing um, artwork and and yes, saying yes absolutely well yeah like uh, i am i am entitled to this movie for free because it exists mm-hmm. and that, that's bonkers when you think about the number of people that worked on it put it together and made it happen and so that's the sort of thing i feel pretty strongly that you know if if content is good enough for me to consume it it's probably good enough for me to pay for it um mm-hmm. and so i i think paywalls you know we uh artists need to eat Writers need to eat, and I think that anything that encourages us as a society to feed and shelter uh, the folks who entertain us is good.
0: Bless you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so it's only this has only been out for about a week. We've Mm -hmm. had to digest all this, Um, so of course it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens as this all settles in. And I know there's some content, quite a bit of content, actually up. In the DM's Guild already, um, are you seeing Fifth Edition content coming into your marketplace already?
1: No, I know that. So you're you're on the <laughs> the pulse of what's coming in. I don't think there's been anything yet. Has the, there?
2: The funny thing is, I think that people are still adjusting, and we mm-hmm. haven't. We're, we keep waiting for those floodgates to open, and I think they're going to. We've had cool.
1: questions. Yeah. From people, but it, but we haven't had anybody actually submit. You know, here is my adventure that is that is using fifth edition yet, and that that's the sort of thing. I don't know. It makes sense to me in terms of like one, as I mentioned earlier, and this is not a joke. Like uh, a lot of the folks on our end, as they're more independent, like tax, it, they need a moment to get through tax season. Like <laughs> that's right. honest to goodness. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they they just got sent their their last uh, royalty payments for twenty fifteen by us. You know, two weeks ago
2: mm-hmm. and
1: um, there's new international rules as far as I can uh, and, and the setups there with payouts that, um, you know, even we're, we're sitting down with our accountants trying to figure out, okay, so how does the tax report work in Europe now in a way that's different, but
2: uh, I've had I- Beatles tax man stuck in my head most of this week. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm I'm just trying not to think about it personally. So yeah,
1: well, me too. But um, yeah. it, the the truth of the matter is, I like I don't think that there has to be. I don't think that this is one of those things that if you don't strike in the first week, you're doomed. Uh, good, good, good stuff is going to rise to the mm-hmm. top, and and that's the sort of thing. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition has now been out how long? Um, oh yeah, like it, 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 I mean, I guess since next testing. Um, we're talking about two or three years. So it, these, these things have a decent cycle. Uh, I'm, I would not be concerned if, if I'm sitting looking at this, my thought is how do I get it together and get it moving? Not how do I get it out the door? Right, 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 right now.
2: And that's especially true for the Roll 20 marketplace. I mean, when you go and look at what we have available for purchase from our creators, there is definitely a curated high level of content, and, and we do that, we encourage everyone to submit, but there definitely is an element of curation, and we think that's to the benefit of all because then we have wonderful stuff and new people get, can get featured and recognized for their work. So ultimately that's to the benefit of all, that it might take some time for that amazing fifth edition content to start showing up, but when it does, it's gonna be pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, so before we wake up and realize this has all been a dream, <laughs> is there anything else about the the Wizards announcement that people should know about? Or anything about Roll Twenty that people need to know about?
2: So, uh, <laughs> there is going to be a fifth edition compendium uh that I we may have mentioned that will be showing up on the Roll Twenty site soon that is our next big exciting thing uh, to come out so that will be a great way to get a sense of the srd in a nice clean very pretty uh setup that'll be super helpful to our members
0: oh thank you that pdf is daunting well and that's one of those things
1: so it's funny because it interacts with so we're working on getting it to interact eventually better with the character sheet um, and that's something uh, we had already started doing some of the, the fiddling around with this with Pathfinder, but we, our hope is to have it so that you can kind of drag and drop attributes. You know, you can take a spell, drag it from the SRD and throw it into your character sheet and, and you're off to the races. Uh, that's the sort of thing that I, I imagine that may not be on the very first launch of this, but that'll be soon Tm. Um, and then the, the other thing that we were working on before this announcement is actually a similar drag and drop setup. Uh, so we have an application programming interface an API that allows, uh, our pro level subscribers to, you know, take over roll 20 and do a bunch of things that we would not set up ourselves because it can be a little bit more automated or video gamey examples of that would be like self patrolling tokens. Or if a token drops below half health, uh, it leaves a blood trail. as bloody. Mm-hmm. Or even things like if you play any um, of the fantasy flight Star Wars games, we'll mm-hmm. have set up the with the uh, API that you can roll the dice and automatically get the results in terms of you know how many success versus advantage and and those sorts of things. Oh, cool. Um, and so what what we want to do is we want to take. Right now, it w- what is a script, you know, you are putting scripts into a text box. Uh, I, as a programmer, I can copy, and or I, as a non-programmer, I can copy and paste those things and hope they work. Um, but it would be much nicer if I could just drag and drop, you know, it, 20 or 30 curated uh, setups like that and have it interact with what I've got going on on the table. And so that's something that we've been working on for a couple of months and, I, and is, will be soon. Uh, in terms of of being able to release it sometime quarter one this year,
0: that's awesome that those sound like uh, excellent tools for our our heroes at home who are looking to modify their games or, or homebrew something. some yeah. some excellent tools they can put to good use in that respect. That's very cool. Well, thank you both for taking time out of your insane week.
1: It's it's been it, honestly all the all the talking to, to folks about this has been fun. It's nice to it's nice to to be to have something cool to talk about in the industry. It's one of those things I, I wish that we could find. You know, it, 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 I feel like the things in the year that bring us together are like, oh, Gen Con's coming up, or oh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the, this big release. I I'd love more of that because uh, I think it is fun to be. It, it's such an interesting community with so many different facets to it. Uh, it's a lot of fun to to be out and talking to other folks in the industry about, hey, something cool is happening.
0: Yeah, it's it's fun to be excited about something together. Yeah. 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 And it's it's been really fun to have you guys be excited with me. Yeah,
2: thanks so, so much for having us cool. on. Yeah, yeah, thank
0: you. <laughs> Thanks again to Nolan and Suzanne for helping me break down this exciting news. I'm hoping we get an opportunity to chat again after we've all adjusted to it and, and to reassess how it's all going and dig some more into how playing games online inherently modifies games. You can explore Roll20 for yourself at roll20.net. That's roll 2 net. And they've got links to their official Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, all that good stuff. Their community content is awesome with all kinds of great actual play videos and interactive tutorials that make it all just so easy to use. Uh, And their forums are great, making it so easy for you to find a game or to find a group that fits your style. Uh, I think my game group is going to try playing Mouse Guard and I cannot wait. You can find Nolan at NolanTJ and Suzanne at IamASnarkyPants on Twitter, and they are both super lovely nerd humans that I am very glad I follow. Speaking of the Twitter, because that is my home, apparently, uh, I recently mentioned wanting to somehow share with you guys a a cool game that I'd played or experienced recently. Um, And I want to do them justice, so I think the plan is to make them a separate little treat on the modifier Tumblr. So possibly a video, maybe just more some more audio, but um, I've played some cool things recently and I know I'm going to play some cool things in the future that I, I just really want to tell you about. So keep an eye out for me gushing about Ross Kalman's Fall of Magic because that is absolutely going to be the first one of whatever this is. If you want to keep in touch with Modifier, send in questions, requests, or if you want to contribute, you can find me at Modifier Podcast on Twitter. Check out the headquarters, which is modifierpodcast.tumblr.com, or email me at modifierpodcast at gmail.com. Um, I also have pages on Facebook and G+, and I bet that you have guessed the naming scheme by now. So uh, I, I really love hearing from you guys. Modifier is proud to be part of the one Shot Podcast Network, which is a family of incredible games podcasts, and you should be listening to every single one of them. Find out more at OneShotPodcast.com. Modifier's theme music was created by my favorite Bothan, Cat Greenfield, whose myriad talents are on display at catgreenfield.com. Next time on Modifier, we're talking Mass Effect and Edge of the Empire. Really, though, this time
2: I mean it.